listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. Today's episode features a conversation on key takeaways and resources for New York County officials from the recent National Association of Counties annual conference. From COVID recovery and ARPA funding to cybersecurity and broadband, our staff will discuss the lessons learned and best practices for local governments from leaders across the country. Welcome to this week's County Conversation podcast. My name is Mark Levine. I'm the Deputy Director of the New York State Association of Counties. We're joined this week uh, by Dave Lucas, the Director of Intergovernmental Affairs for NISAC, and Stephen Aquario, the Executive Director of the New York State Association of Counties. This week, we thought we'd focus our conversation on a wrap of the first NACO conference in 18 months. A couple of observations that I had about the conference. First, it was great to see our members in person for the first time since the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic. While we all may do with Zoom and Teams and conference calls for the past year and a half, there is no substitute for in-person conferences for the exchange of information and for networking, especially for associations like ours. There was a tremendously positive energy in the conference center with more than 2,000 attendees from all across the nation for this four-day conference. There were a number of topics covered and the exchange of information and stories about COVID were abundantly moving. Steve, I'd like to turn it over to you now for some of your observations about this week's NACO conference. Well, thank you, Mark, Uh, and thank you, David Lucas, uh, for attending the event. Uh, First of all, I know how hard it is uh, to give up a weekend, uh, whether you're in elected office or a department head or uh, a clerk of a legislative board. It's really hard to pick up on on a weekend and and travel, Uh, but it sure was worth it in this particular instance. We traveled to Prince George's County, Maryland, Uh, And we stayed at a property that was a very large conference center, the Gaylord property. It's not very often that you can see that type of a property, but you really get a sense of the economic development that it was occurring around Prince George's County, Maryland. Take back some of those ideas to New York State, uh, to the counties of New York. I had the pleasure of talking with Calvin Hawkins. Calvin Hawkins is the uh, councilman at large uh, for uh, Prince George's County. Uh, Maryland, uh, a real fine gentleman who told me a lot about the development of that property, how it was an old industrial uh, type undeveloped property sitting uh, right along that bay right there and just uh, how much they, money they put into that the state, the county, the region of Maryland. And it really paid off. Uh, I think that bringing conferences like that uh, into a state is a real shot in the arm to not just uh, Uh, focus uh, and highlight your county, but also your state and your region. And I learned a lot talking to folks uh, from across the country. Again, it was the first time, Mark, as you mentioned, 18 months getting together. That was a big deal to be in person, sharing ideas uh, from California, Nebraska, the Dakotas, uh, the South, uh, Northwestern parts, Midwest, uh, all parts of the United States, really learning what's going on. Uh, I learned an awful lot on COVID. Uh, 19 and the uh, county response to that. And a lot of people really came up to to me and thanked me 
uh, on behalf of what New York did for the nation, how, how we led the way at the county level to respond to COVID. And so many people really followed the work of the New York counties and what we were doing and what we were, we were reporting on it, how we were uh, trying to abate that ep ep pandemic. So uh, thanks again, Mark, for asking me that question. And it was really, again, good to be down there. Thanks, Steve, it sure was. Uh, one of the main topics over the, the course of the conference, uh, almost every other workshop or meeting, uh, talked about the American Rescue Plan. Uh, Dave, I know that you went to a few workshops and, and meetings that talked about ARPA. What are your takeaways from, from the conference for, with regard to the American Rescue Plan? Yeah, thanks, Mark. <clears throat> there, there was a lot of discussion. Every single meeting I was in, the topic of ARPA came up. Um, some meetings were specifically designed to talk about ARPA the whole time. Um, and others, it was just a point of reference because there's so much in those in that bill beyond the, the direct assistance to counties. Um, there was so much other funding in the bills. And it, it was good to hear from other national speakers that have we're kind of in the same area we were as far as advising our counties on how to approach ARPA funds and what's in that bill. You know, they, they emphasize that, and these were, you know, some of the Washington DC based think tanks on both sides, center left, center right. And they were both kind of saying the same thing, um, similar to what we've been telling our counties is, you know, it's a big package, you have the direct aid, uh, but you have four years to spend it. Um, at least to obligate it and really six years to spend it. Um, and you really need to be careful upfront about thinking about how you want to spend the money. Do you want to be transformative or do you just want to fill holes? It's going to be a combination of both. I mean, there's a lot of immediate needs that, that have to be filled. But at the same time, there are things that you can do with this money that really change things going forward for the better for your community. And these national folks were kind of emphasizing that with, um, with the group about, you know, you don't have to spend it all the first year, really think about what you want to do, uh, fill the immediate needs right away that you have to do. Um, but remember, you have more time. The other important thing they talked about too was leveraging the other ARPA funds that are available. There's lots of direct appropriations from the federal government for childcare, um, economic development assistance through some different federal programs, uh, housing assistance, rental assistance. Don't create a program where there's always another program that the federal government's created to provide assistance. You know, there's tons of money in there for restaurants and for theaters. Not that those groups don't need help, but see how those other plans are working first before you go out and create your own. So it was kind of sit back, you've got time, work through it you know, reach out to the community, uh, you know, vet it with folks um, and just, you know, you don't have to do it all at once. So it was a, it was a good message to hear. So uh, that's something I got from all the different sessions uh, that linked back to ARPA in some way. That's right, Dave, thanks. Uh, we're getting a, an influx of this federal aid direct to counties and then other municipalities are also getting this funding, some of them through uh, their states um, which brings me to uh, another topic that came up. One of the NYSAC's partners, 3 Plus One, was really a highlight of this conference. Um, and I went to two different sessions that they were, uh, they were the focus speaker on. Uh, it's very interesting. And they, they 
talked about helping counties leverage the ARPA funds uh, while they they considered how to make those investments for long-term uh, projects and, and strengthening their infrastructure and strengthening their um, their their governing structure. Uh, so, Steve, I wanted to. I know that you were in one of these meetings, uh, Steve. What was your takeaway in terms of three plus one and our, the partnership that we created with them, and how now it has been expanded nationally? Thank you, Mark. Uh, I don't think we have to overcomplicate this. Uh, the county officials and treasurers are responsible for managing the public fisc. That's what we do. And so uh, how one does that is what CashVest is all about. I think the, the, the states uh, that were at this conference, there was about 15 or 20 states that participated in a number of forums where we talked about this CashVest program uh, that we piloted and demonstrated the effectiveness of in the state of New York over the past three years. And uh, it's, it's just produced millions and millions of dollars of additional interest income for local taxpayers. So that's what I mean. We don't have to overcomplicate this. If there's a way to maximize our investments, our cash, whether it's federal ARPA funds or general county reserves or other cash that municipal governments may have on hand, that's not being obligated right now uh, for a particular purpose, we that are entrusted with managing the public fisc should be required to understand what's called liquidity. And so we spend a lot of time on that word mark on liquidity. What does it mean? Why that's important to a county executive, a county treasurer, a county commissioner, county legislator, a county supervisor, and how understanding liquidity can really help you uh, better invest, make investments in your community through your community banks and understanding your banking relationships, save money, save banking fees and maximize interest rates. So uh, the National Association of Counties is very, very happy with the New York Association of Counties paving the way for other states. So well worth it to be down there and share some of our success stories. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And I, I, uh, I saw a, a video of the uh, Suffolk County Comptroller yeah. Uh, who 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 uh, talked about his experience with three plus one cash vest and and how it has helped uh, Suffolk County generate over three million dollars in in a year. So it was pretty incredible. Uh, thank you for that, um, Dave. There's all there was also two days or a full day of steering committee discussions uh, on Friday. I know that you belong to a steering committee. Can you talk a little bit about the issues facing your steering committee? Yes, uh, I'm a member of the Health Health Policy Steering Committee at, at NACO. Uh, it's a pretty active group. Um, clearly, we have a lot of issues. Um, we had over 30 different resolutions that were uh, amended or changed in some way. We only had a couple new ones, but a lot of them are being amended as we go through the process. Uh, one of the bigger ones that stood out to me was for a while now, we've had a Medicaid We've had Medicaid resolutions that have run through our policy steering committee, and clearly it's a big issue for New York because we're a big spender in Medicaid. We're the biggest in the country, um, and counties spend more in New York than all the other counties in the country combined um, to pay for the Medicaid program uh, where we're mandated to pay it, and it's not voluntary on our part. Um, what we did in the, the steering committee this year was we updated 
the Medicaid policy as part of the national county platform, which is the permanent policy of the National Association of Counties. So we updated some of our recent stuff related to Medicaid. So as part of the permanent platform and what we updated was in relation to the Affordable Care Act. So the Affordable Care Act increased the Medicaid, the Medicaid federal match uh, for certain populations up to 90% if you expand. Um, so we preserved that and we made it part of the permanent policy saying that was a valuable thing and it's helpful for counties because we nationally, counties do a lot on the public health side. And outside of New York, we're, we're not as, as much involved in running health facilities as we used to be. Um, but across the country, there's almost 2,000 public nursing homes that are owned by different groups, or 800 public nursing homes, and then hundreds of hospitals, too, that are public. They're either county-run um, or city-run. So it's important that Medicaid is a good partner in this process. So the two things we did in the policy, one was to continue to support the ACA and not change the Medicaid Enhanced Match, and also to permanently oppose um, block granting Medicaid. But there's the federal government's proposed over the years, going all the way back to the 1990s of implementing a block grant and Medicaid and limiting the federal contribution to a small percentage of what actual healthcare costs increase by each year. What that would mean for states and the counties in New York is much higher cost uh, because it's hard to change the program uh, requirements once they're out there, the benefit package and, and, and healthcare costs rise much higher than the block grant was going to rise. So it would have been a huge cost shift. So it was nice to see that shifted into to permanent policy. Another big issue we did in the, the committee is the whole idea of uh, the re-entry for prisoners and, and turning the Medicaid on before they get out. Um, and also working on policies for pretrial. Um, right now, today, with someone's before con conv conviction is not eligible for Medicaid, even though if they were not being held, they would be eligible for Medicaid. So those two issues, we spend a lot of money on healthcare at the county jails, uh, even in, and even in the state prison system. Um, as they transition back to society. So we have bills introduced in Congress. NACO's been deeply involved with that and the committee has. So it was very encouraging to see those things finally moving through the process, uh, getting bill sponsors and actively being discussed um, in Congress. So it's, those are big things that are gonna help counties if we can get them over the goal line. Yeah, and NACO has is, uh, been more involved the last few years in, in getting some of this legislation to Capitol Hill and, and helping to see it through. In, in uh, New York, we've been working with NACO uh, to help that happen. So it's been great, uh, great process. So that's one steering committee. There were dozens that met. I know the technology committee um, it was, it was hyper-focused on cybersecurity. Uh, and then the Transportation Steering Committee and Agriculture Steering Committee. And we have members from New York that sit on all of those committees. And the, the platforms that came out of those committees are all available uh, on the NACO website. So if you wanna take a look at them, you can go out to www.naco.org and, uh, and then search for the resolutions and, and those will come up.
So thank you for that. Um, one of the other uh, things, there's been a lot on opioids uh, happening nationally and in New York over the last couple of weeks. I know that Steve, you were in a couple of meetings that talked about opioids. Is there any new information or any information that, uh, that you heard over the weekend that you could share? Well, again, being at these conferences really uh, provides a number of different uh, opportunities for New York's local government officials. And I would encourage New York's county elected officials to contact our office and ask for an appointment to one of the National Association of Counties committees. That's a process that's done through the state association and they can just contact anybody at the office here and, and ask for an appointment to one of these national committees. And really that's how you get involved. And without being represented, we can't carry forward the views of New York on these various standing committees and subcommittees and task forces. I'd like to thank the NACO board members from New York, the uh, Erie County Executive Mark Poloncars, the Nassau County Executive Laura Curran, the Putnam County Executive Mary Ellen O'Dell, and the Madison County Chair of the Board John Becker for their service in representing New York. And really, again, give a shout out to all those folks who make the time to go down there and participate in all the standing committees. That's how it gets done. There's lots of other things to do down there as well. Uh, interacting through their exhibit hall was something I really enjoyed doing this year. I walked the floor with the Onondaga executive, Brian McMahon, and we looked at a, a number of different companies that could bring some value to the counties. One of which was uh, Teal Weaver and Eliza Moore who worked for PriceOut. Now here's a company that's already doing work in New York, in Oneida County, New York, in Madison County, New York, and hopefully in Onondaga County, but hopefully in some other counties too in New York, where they can try to understand the value uh, of this company and how it can help working with small businesses and restaurants and try to generate more local investments in businesses and things of that nature. So I learned a lot there. Lots of other things I learned about as well. Mark, with respect to the opioid settlement, uh, and things related to opioid, there were a number of workshops and sessions on behavioral health committees uh, that talked about the challenges of behavioral health, whether there were mental health challenges coming through because of COVID and the rise of suicides through COVID or opioid addiction and substance abuse that, that re-emerged, uh, re if you will, through COVID. Uh, we had been making great strides in 2018 and 2019, but we saw a surge in, uh, in substance abuse problems as we came out uh, of the pandemic here. And I learned a lot down there about how other states are beginning to structure potential settlements uh, tied to litigation with these opioid manufacturers and distributors. And we shared the New York experience. And I, and I think a lot of other states around the US appreciate the role of the New York Association of Counties, but also the role of New York elected officials and county executives who, who've led uh, in this campaign for the last several years. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Dave, anything to add? Sure, yeah, there was, uh, there was two things. I wanted to jump back to the cash fest uh, thing with uh, three plus one, just to add a point. Um, there was new FAQs that came out from Treasury yesterday. Um, and one of them dealt with interest as you hold the um, state and fiscal recovery funds until you have time to spend them. You know, we have 25 counties or 24 counties in New York participating in cash fest. And I think Steve had mentioned that one of those meetings that the value added for counties last year was $46 million in additional interest that they earned um, just last year. 
can you imagine if all our counties were in there and you throw in the ARPA funds now, the treasury guidance said all interest earned on the ARPA funds that a county holds can be used for any purpose outside of ARPA. It's interest that accrues and it stays with the county and it just becomes county general revenue. So it's just something important to highlight. And also in regard to that, we um, worked with three plus one, the governor and the legislature to actually increase the types of investment options we can uh, use locally to, hope, to help boost our interest revenue. And thankfully that bill was delivered to the governor this week. So we're hopeful he'll sign it. Um, the bill's effective immediately. Uh, and that's gonna even boost the value of cash rest even more in New York for the counties because the new investment options only apply to counties um, in New York City. So it's, it's a big positive there. Um, switching over back to the conference, um, one of my favorite sessions um, was a discussion of ARPA in the economy and Mark Zandi, the nationally renowned economist presented at that session. And I think the takeaway from his standpoint was he anticipated he has a very positive outlook for the economy really over the next year or two. He expects very strong growth um, with minimum downside. Now he is assuming there's gonna be another $3 trillion fiscal package passed, you know, an infrastructure component that's already been, we have the bipartisan one that's been discussed of a little over a trillion. He does think there's gonna be another 2 trillion on top of that and he's built that into his numbers. But even if those aren't in there, very still, still very positive on the outcome of the economy, which is good news for our counties as we move through the process. He said the downside risks, um, they, they're there, but they're smaller. He's very concerned about inflation. You know, we, we, we're seeing a boost in inflation. Um, a lot of people are saying it's transitory. He said, we'll see, but if it lingers too high for too long, that could dampen the economy. He's also concerned about the people behind in their mortgage payments and the number of people behind in their rent. Now, there's a huge multi-billion dollar package enacted by Congress to help pay back some of those arrears so that could dampen some of that. But that could be a problem if um, there's not enough money there and people can't catch up. The other issue related to housing is just housing prices in general in certain markets are getting very, very high again. Um, so if that tamps down, you know, those are his downside risks, but it was very helpful to hear from a national economist that has a very positive outlook going forward, which is always good for, for our counties uh, going forward. Great. Thanks, Dave. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, we played a, a pretty active role in this uh, national conference uh, this year uh, because of the book that was commissioned by our New York State County Executives. And uh, we published that book and uh, there were 400 copies made available to uh, attendees, uh, to the board, the NACO board of directors, to all the executive directors of state associations and to two workshops that were held throughout the conference. So, uh, and, and, and it was well received by county officials from across the nation, reading and hearing about what our county leaders did through the COVID pandemic. In fact, on, on Saturday night, uh, we held a reading uh, and we had five county executives in the room and Steve Aquario and myself who were two of the authors of the book. Uh, we held a reading and we had 40 people in attendance 
uh, and uh, they, they were very moved by the book and, and the, the comments made by the county executives and the readings that were done. Uh, really, there was not a dry eye in the house. The uh, reliving parts of the fear that was so palpable at the beginning of this pandemic and all the hard work that the county leaders did to protect residents throughout the pandemic. And uh, I was moved uh, by the county executives uh, and I was part of this whole process. But when they stand up and talk about what they did and how it impacted their communities, their families, their friends, it was uh, really quite a thing. Um, uh, Steve, any comments about the book reading or the, you also held a Q&A with a NACO staff member uh, about, you know, the lessons learned through COVID and why we did the book. Um, and that was well received and we'll make a, a, that available as soon as we have that recording, make that available to our members. Well, you really summed it up well there, Mark. There was uh, not a dry eye in the house during that book reading. It really is an emotional book. It really captures uh, so much of the New York experience. And I just got just so many compliments about the response by the county officials in New York. And uh, I was just uh, glad to have played a, a role along with yourself, Mark, in capturing uh, you know, these voices uh, that otherwise would not have been captured uh, and presented. Uh, I had a uh, just a, a very moving and powerful uh, conversation with uh, a woman from the Maui, Hawaii uh, County Council. And uh, we both uh, just really uh, cried together uh, as we talked about uh, what happened. And really, uh, she explained to me uh, that the tourists who had come to Hawaii uh, were able to get the vaccine before the native Hawaiians were getting this vaccine. And, and it was very moving and she lost uh, her aunt, I believe it was. And, and she just really appreciated the, uh, the capturing of the New York story and what we did, how we did it, sharing these stories for posterity and, and others that come behind us. But very moving to hear that story uh, from, from a place as far away uh, as Hawaii, to a state like New York, but she really just complimented the New York officials and just appreciated the experience that we brought to this pandemic, the knowledge that we brought to this pandemic and really the, the uh, public health experience uh, after 9-11, how we were able to mobilize these emergency response efforts. And it was, it was a powerful forum to showcase that. Uh, and I, I appreciate uh, the question, Mark, thank you. And I want to uh, give a shout out to the dozen counties who attended. This was an in-person and virtual event, and we had uh, several counties who were registered uh, and participated throughout this uh, conference. And it was good to be with them uh, in person in Maryland at this conference, but it was also good to, we were communicating with those county officials, some of those county officials who were not there, but were participating virtually. So. Um, it was, again, it made me look forward to our upcoming conference, which is the fall seminar, the NYSEC fall seminar, which will be held in Syracuse, September 13, 14, and 15. Uh, and that registration is, is now open and available. And if this NACO conference is any indication, I think that we'll, we will have very many, we'll have quite a few county officials in Syracuse uh, joining us for that conference. The last thing I'll say, Mark, is uh, 
we, uh, through the president of NYSAC, Jack Marin, from Ontario County, traveling down there, giving up his weekend to represent the state of New York. Very important for the NYSAC president to have a role and a presence down there representing all the local government officials. Now, uh, one of the things he commented to me on was the quality of the speakers, the workshops, the general sessions were quite important. Uh, the vice president of the United States addressing the delegation, secretaries of Housing and Urban Development, Transportation, Speaker of the United States, House of Representatives, very powerful, but also being on the floor when votes on resolutions such as gun violence and uh, how we can address this as a nation, begin to heal, begin to understand uh, how to better address uh, this senseless deaths tied to gun violence, the mental health challenges, the public health challenges tied to the gun violence, uh, but very important for us to be there and, and uh, reflect the power and we're, we're really lacking an influence as a, as a country here in the northeastern part of the United States. A lot of New England states don't have county government, strong county government. So we don't necessarily have the votes uh, to effectuate some of these policies. So showing up, you gotta be in it to win it. And I think uh, you know, attending, attending these sessions is very important to have influence. And, and that was one of the benefits of being present there was trying to exercise uh, some influence and, and addressing some of the concerns important to New York counties. Thank you, Steve. Any last words, Dave? Yes, thanks, Mark. It, it kind of goes back to what everybody said. Um, I was struck by a couple of the general sessions and just some of the comments that were made um, by folks. And Steve talked about the Gaylord, how it's this huge convention center and hotel, and it's really a, a little city in and of itself. This was the first major conference they've held since COVID began. Um, and I remember President Moore from Kentucky was on stage during one of the general sessions and he, he basically said he was just happy to see everybody and every speaker and every session I was in said the same thing. Like I haven't been in person with anybody in 18 months or 16 months. Um, and he said something about the hotel staff thanked him when he was in their, when they were in his room to say, I haven't worked in 16 months. Um, and this is my first time back at work in 16 months. And I really wanted to thank your group for coming here. And it's just a measure of how far we've come um, and how far we still have to go uh, to make sure we get back to normal. So it was just something that kind of struck me uh, at the conference about, uh, you know, in New York, we got ahead of, we were behind at first and then we got ahead of people as far as, you know, beating back the virus a little sooner than other parts of the country. Um, but we still have a huge way to go. And um, when you think about it globally, you know, there's a lot of countries where less than 5% of the population is vaccinated. And until everybody's vaccinated, uh, we, we can't beat back this virus. Just, it was, was kind of humbling in a way <laughs> to think about it that way. For sure, for sure. Thanks, Dave. And I'll end on this note. Uh, the, there is a new NACO president and it's Larry Johnson from DeKalb, Georgia. Uh, and his platform uh, is, is helping counties thrive or helping counties help their communities thrive. And it's a great platform and you'll be hearing more about it through NACO uh, and that, in, that the resources that are made available uh, from NACO will be shared with our New York State delegation uh, as the year proceeds. So thank you for joining us for this week's County Conversations and we will be here again next week. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of County Conversations. Make sure to keep tuning in each Monday for new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date.